I'm a dreamer, so I always I think backwards. So what do I want this to be in five years? What does this look like? How many lives have I impacted? It's almost like, how do you think about the headlines from five years from now that you want someone to say about what you're creating? From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine. We're coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas's Opus College of Business, serving more than 3,000 students enrolled in its undergraduate and graduate business programs. The college develops effective, principled business leaders who think globally and act ethically. And now, by all means. Wellness is big business. The consulting firm McKinsey estimates that global wellness, which includes fitness, nutrition, mental health, is worth $1.5 trillion, with annual growth of 5 to 10%. Consumers are particularly willing to spend on personal wellness coming out of the pandemic. To that end, Angie Tebby's timing is impeccable. She launched Ray Wellness in 2019. Ray produces natural supplements made with vitamins, antioxidants, ingredients like apple cider vinegar and lavender. They're aimed at women and said to address several key categories including stress, sleep, digestion, and sex drive. Now, it should be said that with every product description on the Ray Wellness website comes a disclaimer that says the product's stated functions have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and these products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. But women in their 20s and 30s don't need much convincing. Ray quickly amassed a large online following, including 50,000 Instagram fans. And retailers, including Target and Anthropology, were quick to give Ray shelf space. Earlier in 2021, Angie raised a $9.5 million Series A round for Ray Wellness. It's all happening fast. And yet, when you get down to it, Angie has been on this path since childhood. I grew up in a really holistic household. So I was a super weird little five-year-old meditating on the lawn in Fargo, <laughs> North Dakota. And my mom was a nurse, so her beliefs were very Western. Um, whilst my dad was very much into homeopathy and Reiki, Reiki wasn't a word back then. But uh -huh. um, we, you know, I, I say that because I, I've had an, a cellular almost appreciation of well, wellness my entire life. Wow. Um, but my parents said the world is not as homogenous as what you see around you. Mm -hmm. Women can conquer the world. I'm of three girls. They said, get out of here and go figure out what it is for you. Hmm. Uh, so that's what I did. And to live a life that my parents never had, what that looked like to me was corporate. Hmm. Um, and so started my career out in, micro, uh, out in Seattle at Microsoft and then moved home um, to the Midwest, to Minneapolis um, with my husband and completely fell into retail. There's so many Fortune 50 companies here in Minneapolis, St. Yes. Paul, that I just started asking myself, who do I know where? And, um, and fell, into, fell into the rest of my 13 years at Target Yeah. Um, and, and just had an amazing ride um, building brands there. And did you seek out retail? I mean, did you were you did you love retail? Did you like merchandising, marketing? What what aspect? I had no idea that okay. I would love retail. I mean, I was a twenty four year old that was just seeking um, opportunities, right? Like at that point, you don't. I, I at least didn't have a handle on what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, and so fell into retail. But um, spent most of my career in home and apparel, um, which is largely private label at Target, which kind of served my left and right brain together because. 
um, is creating brands from scratch. It's seeing micro and macro trends and figuring out how and when to interpret them um, at mass retail. You know, figuring out your country of origin and how to manufacture products around the world. And as I like to say, running P&Ls, tops down, bottoms up, side to side. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had 12 different roles in 13 years, which included um, two years up in Toronto, um, mm. opening up the Canadian operations for Target, which I, I think I realized a little bit at that point, but I don't think I fully realized until recently how much that helped give me the bug of startup. How so? Because, you know, it, it, it was such a different environment. Um, it was certainly of the parent company of Target, but there were 600 people. It was a little bit more rock and roll. It mm -hmm. was a lot of figure it outing, mm -hmm. if you will. And for me, I, I, you know, there was so much... Some were paralyzed by the chaos. I sometimes was, but I always saw the path forward. Yeah. Um, and I could always just figure it out. And so it was, that kind of gave me the bug. And then I came back to corporate um, for a couple of years after that. But I, I just recently started reflecting more and more on what that experience did for me and the skills it taught me. You know, I think you must be onto something there because you are actually the third guest on By All Means who was part of the Target Toronto team. Wow. Kristen Shane. Yes. From Fly Feet Running, yep, who yep. was there. And um, John Butcher, who is now the CEO of Caribou. Of course. Both have been on the mm -hmm. show. Both talked about that experience and what they got out of it. For you, I mean, you know, I know it's not the proudest chapter in Target's history, but a lot of lessons to be learned. It was an experience that... And and all of us, I mean, Kristen, John, and everyone, there's, there's so many more of us that that are so forever connected and the bond that we all have by going through those experiences and not only the experiences, you know, professionally, but personally mm -hmm. moving to a totally different city and needing to really operate like a family up there. And so for, for a number of reasons, yeah, it was a pivotal moment for so many of us. So you got back from the Toronto experience. You did not lose your job. You had a, had a job to come back to in Minneapolis. I did. I did. Okay. But did it feel different? Was it like, I got to start thinking about the next thing beyond? Did you, did you ever think that you were a lifer at Target? Or I, it's so funny because <laughs> I should text Kristen after this, but I told Kristen Shane when we were in Toronto, <laughs> she reminds me of this all the time now that I'm not there. I always said, I will retire at Target and uh. I will be walking around with an oxygen machine. At Target, like that was always with a the bullseye. Joke. Yes, yeah. that's that was always the joke. <laughs> yeah, and and um, why why did you did you because you were happy? The there? culture were... is amazing. The people, the humans there are incredible. I had twelve roles in thirteen years, and I have always said, if I'm not learning, I'm not growing. If I'm not growing, I'm not happy. And I was always able to, um, you know, uh, kind of nourish that that craving of of learning and yearning and. And so for all those reasons, and I had great, great leaders that always promoted authenticity and to be who I am. And so I, I really did think that I would be there for, forever. Yeah. Really. So, so, so what, what happened? What, <laughs> I, what changed? I know. It's, it's, it's wild because um, a little over three years ago, th it was all, a little over three years ago that I left, but about a month prior to that, um, I, I drove home one night. Um, on my way home from work and I pulled up to the side of the road and I got sick and I was like, this is not okay. This is not right. Something is up. And I, I went home that night and I talked to my husband, Matt, and I was like, 
I, I don't know what it is, but something's not right. And for some reason, I needed a physical sign of what I think the universe had been trying to show me for a really long time. And that was my own burnout. Hmm. That was my own um, uh, lack of wellness. And in a matter of weeks, the amount of signs that came to me around, or, or and maybe just things that I had finally been able to see around women in my life not being well, um, ran into somebody in an airport that gave me a job in wellness, didn't take it, but like, it just was this like, real epiphany around like, do you remember how you grew up? Remember mm -hmm. that weird little girl? And do you remember your appreciation that you had for well-being? Well, guess what? I believe now is the time for you to figure out your own personal well-being. My, I wasn't on my own priority list. I had two kids at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I was just going, Were you going meditating? Blind. Were you working out? Were None you doing of, I mean, yoga? The best I could, right? Like I ate a, a breakfast full of a rainbow of you know, antioxidants. And I thought I was doing all of the right things, but the reality is, is mentally, um, you know, and physically, I just, I, I, I just needed that physical sign that night to, to kind of tell me what was up with my own being. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, like I said, I, I took weeks on it. Then I started meditating and pulling my dad's books off the shelf and really starting to say, what's up? Something is up. And in a matter of weeks, I just, I knew the signs all pointed to me needing my next chapter to be personally and professionally around wellness mm. so that I could walk the walk. Because like I said, I'm a student of everything I do. I loved my career. Mm -hmm. I will always love, you know, being a student of business. And so I said, I don't know what it is, but there's something there and the forces are strong. Clearly there's mojo working outside of Target. So I walked in and I resigned and they're like, I'll never forget the look on some people's faces. They were like, where are you going and what are you doing? I thought, I thought you were going to be here forever. And I said, I did too. But the reality is, is I, I don't know what this means. I had no idea at the time, but I said, I just have to trust it and, and, and trust and figure out that the, uh, trust that there's something else um, there for me. So you walked out without anything lined up. You, you didn't really no have like a business idea. No you just clue. had this feeling about being wellness. -driven. I had a post-it note because I made myself write down 10 things. I was like, okay, you got to like, you got to make yourself feel like there's something out there. And I know that there was, but I wrote down 10 ideas of what I thought it could be. Not one of them was to start a company or to create a brand, to hmm. be clear. Mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of ideas, but not one was obviously what I'm doing now. And so I was so privileged to be able to take time off. So that's what I did. I took, I was like, let me take a few months off. Let me figure out what this is. I started running again every day. Um, I believe in supplementation. I don't think as women, there's any amount of avocado or kale or salmon that can replenish what we put out on a daily basis. And so I've always believed in supplementation. And as I was trying to um, balance my own hormones and my cortisol levels were high, I just, I turned to supplements and I, and again, as I was trained to do as a merchant for myself and on behalf of a lot of women now, saw white space that I couldn't ignore. Um, Hmm. As I was just taking care of myself. And that happened really quickly, about eight weeks after I left. And, and I had no idea that that was what was in front of me. Okay, so talk about that white space. What did you start to see? I, as I, I grew up obviously very humbly and at mass. And so for me, I saw two things very clearly. One was um, very expensive wellness products for the 1%. Mm -hmm. Wealthy, affluent, white women holding very expensive products. And that did not speak to me. But I was like, gosh, you know, there's, there's this quality factor 
that if they just figured out the game of scale, like I did at Target, I would find a $400 coat that I loved in Europe and bring it to Target for $40 because it's how you manufacture and how much you buy in your in your business model. Mm-hmm. It's like, if they figured that out, that would be amazing. And it was this blend of East meets West, uh, mind and body together, but it was all very expensive. And then what did exist at the price point I was I was looking for is I was just trolling the aisles at CVS or, or Target was a lot of sugar, a lot of gummies. Hmm. And, um, and, and none of it just spoke to me and or it wasn't created for women or with women in mind. And mm-hmm. so I saw the white space was heads down in pursuit um, of the business model um, and at scale. Right. And so I knew at that point it wouldn't just be a digital brand or a direct to consumer brand. It, it needed to be omnichannel in view and, and include some version of retail. So you leave rather abruptly. You've got literally like a few weeks and you've got two little boys Mm -hmm. at that time. And within eight weeks, you're sketching out a plan for a a big brand that you're going to launch. Starting to sketch it out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Where was your husband in all this? Was he down for the ride? Oh, he he was down for the ride. I mean, we had... You know, it's so funny because we're so complimentary where I am gut and heart. And he is analytical and let me process this and think it through. So he did all of his work prior to me leaving Target because he said, I don't know what it is, but I, I got to be signed up for this. Mm. And so he did all of his processing before I left. Okay. And knowing something was there, but he had kind of processed all the way through it. So he was holding my hand, ready for it regardless of what it was. He knew this was coming. Yep. This was Something happen. was there. <laughs> and he's met me, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's he, we, we've known each other now longer than we haven't. And so um, he, he knows very well who he married and who he chose as a partner. And so he knew something was coming, but clearly you, not this. Do you think he recognized that you were sort of an entrepreneurial spirit before you did? Would you have described yourself that way prior to leaving Target? I, um, looking back, yes. Um, prior to this, you know, to the last couple of years, reflecting on it, looking back, no, I don't think I recognized it. I think I felt sometimes like I was in a box or I've always been a rule breaker. I've never followed rules my whole life. Um, and so I think that I've always been this make it up, figure it out type of a person, but I don't think I would have ever called it that or identified that. Hmm. Interesting. And that rule breaker spirit that, that played out okay at Target. Um, it did because of the leaders I had and the and the people that were surrounding me. And it was it was um yeah, I mean and Target's such a great company that they they promoted um this entrepreneur kind of mentality. Not mm-hmm. to the level I'm doing it now, of mm-hmm. course. It's just a different scale. But um but yeah, it's it it was it allowed me to thrive there until the moment I realized um I needed to thrive differently. Sure. So how long did it take from sketching out the idea to actually jumping into to action? What did, what did you have to do? Um, first was um, I'm a dreamer. So I, always, I think backwards. So what do I want this to be in five years? Mm. What does this look like? How many lives have I impacted? It's almost like how do you think about the headlines from five years from now that you want someone to say about mm. what you're creating. I love that. And, and so, wh- what did you see? What were the headlines? That was, gosh, I wish I, I, wish I had them. I'll write um, them down because we'll probably remember. run them <laughs> in know, Twin Cities know, Business. Know, We've already run a couple about you. So um, One was, um, and, and I don't remember exactly, but it was around the amount of women that we helped feel better. So that was one. 
The second one was um, there was one around um, how how this company did business differently, but I didn't I didn't have a a clear view into what that was, but it was very much um, uh, you know talent and culture, and you can do things differently. You can treat people really, really, really well, even on a small scale at a small company. Um, the benefits we wanted to create the authenticity and transparency about being who you are and showing up as that person every single day. So so there was one around like making women feel better. There was one around how just to run a company culturally. Um, and I'm trying to think. There was one around um, uh, um, speed, speed and scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but which, it's interesting that all the things you're talking about are are more about culture and the company than than the product it wasn't you weren't fixated mm-hmm. on the product that you were launching i um i think you know given my career i always think about brands as platforms that sell products mm-hmm. that's kind of how i've always thought um and that's very much how target thinks about you know platforms of what we can do um and then products we can sell and so i had that ingrained and so for me it was how do we help women feel better? And in order to do that, there was we we will sell products to help them feel better. Got it. Um, but it was more about it was more about that those kind of KPIs or those end results. It's probably a, a more productive way to to start. I mean, would you if you were teaching an entrepreneurship class, is is that what you would suggest? Think about that big overarching mission versus being fixated on the one thing you're going to make. I have always thought of. Brands and companies, and especially these days, those that soar and succeed are those that are mission-based and live, live around a mission mm-hmm. um, because that makes them authentic. That makes them bulletproof in my mind. Um, and, and consumers can see through things, right? If, if you are creating a company to make money or to get this particular cost on your product, like it's just Consumers are so smart that they can see through um, the DNA of the company pretty quickly with how it manifests outward. And I think inward has, you know, inside has to match the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, I guess, I guess I've always been, and Target is such a mission-based company, but I've always, I've always kind of started there about what do you, what do you want to change in the world? Hmm. And then how do you do that? Okay. So you, you knew what you wanted to change. You want to make women feel better. Then what? How quickly did you arrive at what your first products would be? And how do you actually yeah. get going? Yeah. You know, a couple hypotheses that existed at the beginning. One was um, we wanted to stand for well-being for all. And we knew that that meant it didn't have to be a full-time job. Drink an extra glass of water. Do the best you can. The second is it doesn't have to be expensive. This notion of wellness being for the 1% and spa days and you know, doing a yoga pose on Machu Picchu, like, come on, that is not reality. And so it should um, not be expensive and should be accessible for everyone. And then lastly, it should be um, very, very inclusive. And so I remember even what stereotypes do we want to break down? How do we want to talk about intersectionality? Who is the face of Ray and how diverse can that be? And so um, those were kind of the three tenants that we started with. And then from a product perspective, it was how do you address all the various need states um, that women have? Because they change. What I, what, what I needed three years ago is very different from what I need now. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm going to need three years from now is very different. So it had to be around 
covering a holistic view of territories around stress, sex, skin, digestion, hormones, etc. And so most companies, most product companies, no one in their right mind would, you know, launch with 20 items. We did because one, we wanted to be holistic and two, our business model was around scale and we knew that we could we could have um, a retail presence too to kind of make all of that work. Did you were you targeting a certain age range? Um 20s and 30s, women in their 20s and 30s. And women, um, we're all about psychographic more than we're about demographic. Mm -hmm. And the psychographic is I'm not putting myself on the priority list Hmm. because I want to conquer the world. And I have so much I want to do and I have a busy life um, that I need a little bit of support. Mm -hmm. Did you have any doubts that you could pull this off? There were a lot of moments of doubt. But when... I, I knew, and it, when you're so grounded in your why around well-being personally and professionally and doing this with and on behalf of and together with other women, because there's a lot of women that felt the way I did when I left my career, I was so grounded in my why and I was so sure. And you can feel it, I mean, in, in your guts that like, I am exactly where I need to be. I knew, no, to be clear, nothing happened how we thought. You know what I mean? Like we made mistakes all the time, but I was always and still am so grounded in exactly what we're talking about, the mission Mm -hmm. of what you're doing. And if you're grounded there in your why, maybe a little bit in the what supplements and here's kind of what it looks like. The how changes hourly, daily. Hmm. And so those two things were always kind of my anchor through the process and, um, and still are. So actually manufacturing consumer products takes money. You, you got to put it together. You got to find manufacturers, you, the packaging, the actual products. Did you get into a laboratory? How did you create your, your supplements? How did you create the products? Uh-huh. And, and how did you invest to get this done? Uh-huh. Um, the, the first part from a product perspective, um, that took the longest because of the responsibility we have with what we put in women's bodies. We had to make sure that the ingredients were transparent. We knew our supply chain, we knew where things were coming from, that we picked a co-manufacturer that um, really um, had, had the quality of, of, again, not just the supply chain, but how they pull things together. Mm-hmm. Um, vegan, non-GMO, all of those things, gluten-free. Um, that was really, really critical to make sure that we were pure, clean, powerful um, in the product that we brought forward. Um, we found a chemist, a female chemist that knew what women need and want and understood our DNA around East meets West, you know, vitamins and minerals plus botanicals and herbs, mind and body together. So for example, our In the Mood product, which is one of our, you know, top few products, that's for female libido. Um, it is not a female Viagra. Mm-hmm. That is the last thing it is because what women need um, for their desire is mind and body. So it's around energy, um, decreasing stress levels, and blood flow, right? So it's, it's that holistic approach to women and the human that um, was so important as we created the product. So, But how do you, I mean, and I don't know what the limitations are, if there are any. I mean, is there, are there FDA regulations around uh-huh. supplements? Or, I mean, what, what can you claim with a product uh-huh. like that? Uh-huh. Um, there are clinical trials. We did our homework, right? So so um, on a lot of the, the vitamins and minerals and, and Western side of the ingredients, there are clinicals. 
I always like to say that the clinicals are largely of mice and men um, because it's a lot around, you know, male trials or on mice. Mm-hmm. And so we, we did our homework deeply to make sure that we understood what the impact was on women. And then there are some ingredients that have been around for thousands of years in other, in other places in the world that were really critical to bring into. So that is less clinically based, but certainly um, has a ton of evidence that, um, you know, based on, based on their usage around the world. And so it was, it was that approach together that, that created our products. And, and again, I am not a chemist, so that was really important, although, you know, I'm a product junkie and really, really into the research on all of it. So that R&D phase, first of all, was it all focused initially on supplements and vitamins? Was that, were those the products you were yep. focusing we knew on? We, were, we knew to help women feel better, it had to come from the inside. Okay. You didn't and want so to do all creams, nothing? No. Nope. And today, today we don't either. You don't? Okay. Um, and how long did that period take? Um, that process of product development, a year. Okay. A year. So you get, that's not that long, really. Mm-hmm. And you get to that place and you're like, okay, we've, we've got something here. Meanwhile, are you also lo- working on the, the packaging? Because I think that that is, you can't understate how important <laughs> that is. It looks young. It looks cool. It looks like, yeah, I, this is the supplement I wanted to, yeah, it jumps out on the shelf. We did that simultaneously, to your point. Um, and it's so funny because we hired this amazing branding agency out of L.A., and it's so funny because even the name, right? Like we had to start with a name because you need trademarking and all of that. So it all happened simultaneously. The, the top 10 names that existed, Ray kept going to the top and kept going to the top. Consumer, like women loved it and consumers loved it. And did all did the you come up did. with it? Where did it come from? It came from this agency. Oh. Well, I kept fighting against it. And I was like, I don't want to do Ray. It's my middle name. Oh. And is so, that how it landed on the list? That no, oh. no, it came from consumers and it Just came from this agency. Randomly, so I fought against. Ray. I fought against it because <laughs> I was like, "How self-serving is this to call my to call the product by my middle name?" And what did you want to call it? What, um, what, what were the early? I'd rather not say, but we had some <laughs> other good options. At the end of the day, though, it was a clear winner. And what I love about it is one, it honors my late father who gave me my middle name. Mm. The second thing it does is it is such a um, you know, our, our logo or our brand um, leverages neon, neon yellow. And so it's fresh to your point. And it's, and Ray is an alternative spelling for a beam of light, mm-hmm. R-A-E versus R-A-Y. And so it's this fresh and, and then it just blew up into this concept around shine and having women shine from the inside mm. and giving them things to put inside their body to help them shine outward. And so, so it just became like this magic, magic brand concept. Wow. Um, and Again, you were, and you were able to get the URL. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. that's key, yeah. right? Yep. Um, okay, so it's all coming together. Meanwhile, are you and your partner funding all of this? Yeah. To this point, did you didn't start out trying to raise? No, money. we put in we put in a little bit of our own money, and then very quickly realized if we're going to do this at scale, whilst we're talking to retailers, right? So you know, we were talking to a number of retailers to kind of gauge interest and in, is this a thing? What do you think about the white space? And and are retailers like Target or smaller? Um, all all different kinds of options. Okay. Um, at the beginning, and so we we um yeah we we knew that we needed cash and we knew that in order to go big quickly, um and at scale we we wouldn't be able to bootstrap this mm-hmm. and. Fundraising. Yeah. So so fun. 
it is when you talk about are you sure were you always sure this is going to happen after you get your hundredth no from investors uh-huh. you start to ask yourself is this dream really hmm. going to happen so in the is this happening at the time that you're literally making your first round you're coming up with your product line you're out there pitching this to investors yeah you have to have enough of a concept sure. to give them sure um so it was in the at the right time but yeah you need you need enough you need enough of a sketch and there's various investors that, you know, did like our business model around physical retail and digital. There's some that just didn't understand the model or didn't like the model, quite frankly, because to live digitally is one skill set. Um, and then to go physically, you know, takes a different level of capital requirement around inventory and all of that. And so and you were telling them that your plan was to do both, to yeah. be direct to consumer and to be on the shelves True of stores. omni-channel, not multi-channel, mm-hmm. right? Not thinking like, how do we make discreetly target work versus Amazon versus D2C? It was true omni-channel in knowing if we do this right and get the brand flywheel across all of those working, the consumer would choose their own journey on where they want to buy it when. Well, what's the difference? Talk about that for a minute. What, I mean, the, the first that you described, how, how is that different from the second? Um, multi versus omni. Um, I believe multi-channel. Um, a question you would ask yourself, um, here's a great example. In a multi-channel business model, you would say, how is this email I'm sending to my consumer base going to fuel my direct-to-consumer subscription base? Mm-hmm. Um, how we like to ask ourselves is, how will this email um, drive her to purchase this product, uh, regardless of where she wants to buy it? Sure. Um, and so it's just, it's a little bit of a different approach in, in knowing even like where your marketing dollars need to, need to operate. You want brand loyalty. And, and I don't care where they, they buy it. Exactly. Right? It doesn't matter to me. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so who were these investors? Were they men? <laughs> were they, I mean, what, what was the, I mean, first of all, did you get advice on that process? Pitching is a whole other skill set. It's not <laughs> easy. You knew your story, mm-hmm. but was it intimidating to walk into those rooms? Oh, for sure. Um, to even get the meetings. Did, where to did even you start? get the meetings. Um, well, first thing I did was I bought a you know those big for dummies books, like the big floppy for dummies <laughs> yeah, books. Yeah. Like I, I had, I had such, we had, I had such an amazing toolkit coming from Target on how to create a brand and manufacture products and build the business model. What I didn't know was anything about raising capital, and so I ordered it from Amazon. I flew through it in an afternoon. This big floppy venture capital on, for dummies. There is, there is seriously a VC for dummies. VC for dummies book. Oh. I and didn't even good? know the terminology, right? Like it's a whole different world yeah. of like acronyms and and ways ways of speaking. So and that book was helpful. It was a good primer. Okay. Um, there's so much to learn, and I'm just so excited to pay it forward. And I am paying it forward to entrepreneurs that, yeah. that are coming after me. Well, but did you have other mentors or other people that you watched even leave Target and start their own brands that you could ask? A little bit. Um, when you start this it, again. It's not like I had this planned and like, hey, hey, here's the 10 people that you need to know. Um, you know, it was, it, it, and just to be clear, female founded companies represent 2.5% of venture capital. I know you've heard yep. this stat before you're nodding your head. Yeah. It took 10 years to get to that high watermark in 2019. Right. It's since rescinded some, driven by um, the, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Because of of all the the other responsibilities women have, it is 
disturbing. Very. And I I like to say I didn't know I had a gender until I left Target. Hmm. It is it is an amazing space. Um once you have it figured out and venture capital can change the world. Mm-hmm. You just have to know how to get navigated. And for women and for a brand, um, a female, you know, a brand for women, a lot of the male investors just didn't know. Yeah. And this is three years ago and it's all changed. And right. man, there are some incredible humans, male and female, in the space. But they there was a lot of I don't get what? Women need help with their libido. What? <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is Ask it like wives. is it like Viagra? And I'm like, nope. You know, so it's it was just kind of this um, this more more difficult conversation to have with with men than women because women get it got it right away. Got the so you more. okay? So you did find success. You raised more than nine million dollars. Your Series A. Congratulations on that. Thank you. That closed in the end of twenty twenty. Correct. Was it okay yep. in the middle of the pandemic? How how did you finally do it? Was it a matter of finding women investors who understood? I. It's 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 so interesting because after a hundred no's and you get your first yes, then you have somebody that really believes in it, and then they introduce you to their other friend mm. and then their other friend, and so it's like the dominoes just started falling, and yeah. people, and you start to find your cohorts of, of of investors that have a belief in the mission, and not that the others didn't, but like it just started to click with a certain group of humans, amazing amazing humans, and then. All of a sudden, we were kind of surrounded by, by a pool of amazing people that that wanted to to help fuel what we were building. And was it was it big investment firms or individuals or how did you piece it all together? Various. So okay. we started with a little bit of friends and family, you know, other entrepreneurs. We um, additionally that then got into smaller VCs. So it, it was it was kind of across the board. Okay. Um, while you were getting all those no's. But you're in the middle of kind of building out this line. Was there any point where you're like, we better pause because I don't know if we're going to get the money to do this? Or did you just keep going and keep believing that it would eventually happen? Um, we just kept going. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, spoken like a true entrepreneur, <laughs> risk taker. So, so that money had to feel, I mean, not just does it fund what you need to do, but it just had to feel so um, like. Finally, somebody oh, gets it. The it's validation. Incredible. It's incredible. I, I like to say that I am in the top, you know, you're in the top 1% of something, you know, mm-hmm. of the human population. Tenacity mm-hmm. is I'm in the top 1%. I don't give up when I believe in something. I mean, if, if all the signs are pointing to it's time to give up, I'll consider it. But it, it, I, think that's, Maybe. I, think that's why, I think that's why entrepreneurship is so hard because the amount of times you know, you just need to put your pants on again the next day and, and get get back to yeah. it. Um, I just, I, I always had a belief in the why and the what. Um, and I just, I always felt like the how would come and it did, it did. So did you already know that Target was going to put Ray on the shelves when you closed that Series A or did that happen after? So we, we were on the shelves. So we raised a little bit of money okay. initially. From angels, got it on the tar- uh, sorry launch direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. Target noticed right away, got really excited about it, um, and we were in Target before we knew it. It was a matter of you know six months that we were in both the beauty and the vitamins aisle. Would that have um, happened if you and your partner had not worked at Target? Would it have happened that quickly? 
Um, good question. We had had conversations with a number of retailers. I, uh, to be clear, I had it had nothing. <laughs> us us going into Target, uh, or us working at Target, it helped us understand retail. That was not. It seems so obvious now. Like, oh, you were at Target. Now you're back at Target. Was not that obvious at the time, and hmm. it is not that easy. Um, the rigor with which they look at brands, how they think about things. Um, we had a we had a, a, a broker helping us, right? Like we we for a while weren't even the face of it because we wanted people to fall in love with the brand and wow. not even know we were behind it. And so for all those reasons, like it it really it helped us understand retail and how to sell, you know, an idea, but it, and how to create a brand. But it was not clear that we would be going. There's no free pass no, because you're no, Target no, alums. No. Interesting. Wow. Um, so the other side of that is I remember the first time that I heard about your brand and it was like, who is this? And I went and looked on Instagram and you already had a really significant following. How, how did you find your people and how did you do it that quickly? Cause that's, that's a big part, right? Mm -hmm. Having the brand fans. Mm -hmm. Um, we have always believed in the power of, um, awareness through advocacy is what we call it. And when we saw, and we had a million women try our products that first year hmm. in 2020, when we saw the reviews start to come in and our average review rating being 4.85 out of 5, and we started to hear what people were saying, it wasn't just, I liked this probiotic because it helped me de-bloat. It was, you made me feel this way. Wow. I love your company because it made me feel better at my at my best friend this is what we were talking about last night this is what this is what happens on instagram at my partner see other women have libido issues too hmm. so is this conversation that was created by talking about these stigmatized topics that women um don't typically talk about hormones sex stress i mean prior to the pandemic i don't think we all i do in my day job now is talk about stress and the impact on the body but i think women are now doing that and women are now putting themselves on the priority list and ready to have those conversations. But we're just really lucky to be a part of it from the beginning. And that kind of fueled the flywheel of awareness for us. And, um, and, and we, the inclusive nature of our brand especially resonated through all of the events of the pandemic and everything that happened in the world in the last couple of years. Yeah, I was going to say, can you even begin to separate that out? I mean, the timing, I mean, you basically are a pandemic success story. Very fortunate. What would have ha I mean, you were you were on shelves prior to mm -hmm. COVID-19, right? Just by a like couple months, a couple months, literally. And did you initially start to see success? The first people to buy Ray Wellness, who maybe were not like related to you or your BFFs, um, were they were they buying at stores? Were they going direct? Where did you start to see the first success? All of the above. Okay. Um, and it was hard to tease out because even at Target, there's Target.com. And so did they go from our Instagram and then to Target.com? Like, that is the power of this omni-channel business model is understanding where awareness happened, then where consideration happened, then where the purchase happened. Mm -hmm. And then she, regardless of where she purchased, then she comes back on our Instagram and is like, I love you guys. I just was in Target, right? So it's, again, it's kind of fueling this broader ecosystem of, of where. But were there any key things that you did to get all of these women to, to just even be aware of you, mm -hmm. to cut through the clutter? Did you hire a publicist? Did you hire influencers? How did you find your audience so quickly? Yeah. 
All of the above. Um, it's not. It, it's so interesting because the amount of times people wonder. So, as an entrepreneur, what was your silver bullet? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, there are no silver bullets. There is not just one thing. It's a whole host of things that need to come together and work really well together. Um, and learning a lot of the things that didn't work because there's a lot that didn't work for us. Like what? What, um, what were mistakes that you made? You mentioned that before. Oh my gosh. Um, the <laughs> um, packaging coming in wrong. Mm. Um, the uh, trying to figure out who our audience was exactly to your point. Is it is it a woman with this demo, you know, that has these interests? Is it a woman that cares about her, you know, that uses topical skincare? Is it a person that cares more from the skin from the inside? Is it a wellness consumer that wants to care about her skin? Just in the skin territory itself, sure. as an example, and so it's a lot of trial and error, and 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 a lot of that occurred um, digitally through paid media for us on Facebook and Instagram and Google and TikTok has been an amazing channel for us. We have one hundred sixty thousand followers there. Really? Um, and well, so, what do you do on TikTok? Is it? I mean, is it you? Is no, it you? it's not. It's a lot of. It's interesting because um, there's there's a level of education that exists and a, and a level of trust that you have to build with. I mean, women, I'll never forget when we someone bought something off of our Instagram link. I was like, they bought something and they're going to take it and put it inside their body. You know, like I know we have great products, but how do they know we have great products? And so there's this level of trust that you have to build. And that is really well done through video. And Mm. so that's kind of how we leverage Instagram is is the tool with which um, Instagram and TikTok. It's the tool with which we engage on building trust. And you hired people to help you make oh. those little videos? I mean, this was not like home videos. Absolutely. Okay. So the last thing I am <laughs> is a marketer. The very last thing I am is a marketer. Uh-huh. I'm an operator. Um, and so first, one of our first hires was to bring in someone who could help us create this brand presence, understand digital media, all of that. Yes, that was, that was a massive learn for me. Um, I had some things in the toolkit, but that was a massive learn. So, and you were, you were willing, did you not realize when you say it was a massive learn, was it how much you need to spend up front to, to launch in a big way? spend, how to click the buttons, which channels actually work, how Google search even works. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I was largely a brick and mortar focused merchant my entire career. And so, um, so yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of learnings and the the one thing that I for sure am is self-aware enough to say, I don't have a clue, just like I bought that venture capital for Dummies book. I'm like, <laughs> I don't have a clue, but I better learn yeah. and or I better find somebody to help me out. So do you, what advice would you give to others starting brands? Maybe, you know, I think coming out of Target gives you a certain perspective on how to go big right out of the gates. And that's clearly what you wanted to do. A lot of people try to start much smaller and more organically and then hope that it grows. Is, is that a, a good path or do you just have to say, get the money, hire the marketing firm, do all the things, spend the money to go big? Pros and cons. And I, when you asked me initially what was on your five-year list, it was impact as many women as possible and help them feel better. Mm-hmm. So that means scale. If your mission, if somebody else's mission is um, learn as much as I possibly can and um, spend more, you know, spend more time on X versus Y. Like it just, it just all depends on, uh, yeah. on the end game. 
Were your um, early customers or early brand loyalists, were they switching to Ray Wellness from a different Mm -hmm. brand of vitamins and supplements, or were they new to this? What we know is that we are bringing a younger, more diverse consumer into supplements that hadn't tried supplements in years. Hmm. We don't know if they've ever tried them, mm-hmm. but that hadn't tried supplements in a really long time or ever. And so it's, it was like we're making vitamins cool again. Um, and so that's exciting. And that was exciting um, for a retail case study to say we're driving category growth. Mm-hmm. We're not just switching. You mentioned, you've mentioned a couple of times diversity and inclusivity. And I mean, obviously, you can do that through price point. What, what is the average price point of your products? Everything is line priced at fourteen ninety nine. Okay. And that and how would you say that compares to some of your competitors? Um it's it's not the lowest, it's not the highest. Mm-hmm. Um what it what we believe that price point does is we had a hypothesis that if we create a a holistic view of her wellness, there's multiple ways to do that. Um to impact your health. So at 14.99, we knew she could get two of our products for the price that she gets a lot of thing a lot of one product mm. from our competitors. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, if we can help her with her stress and her sleep yeah, or her skin and her digestion, that was kind of always the model is get her to buy two. And she uh, is. Okay. Um, what about diversity on a, on a broader scale? What about, you know, diver- I mean, are you, are you speaking about diversity in terms of race, in terms of backgrounds, in terms of age? What, what's important to you? Um, I, everything is important to us. And how all of those things intersect is really important. And I, I, I believe everyone's like, so what types of diversity are important? It's all important because there are every, every unique human is diverse in 82 different ways. Mm-hmm. And so all of it becomes important. And um, that, that is where, that is where we like to say, you choose your own wellness journey and we're here to meet you wherever you're at. And um, celebrate who you are and tell us what you need and let, let us help you navigate what you need. Um, but very specifically, it is, it is also doing things like, um, you know, we give 5% of our revenue to Girls Inc. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, and so what's important to that is we are fueling the next generation of women because hopefully how, I mean, I'm, how I get stressed is you can't imagine the stress that a lot of these girls, uh, I have three kids. A lot of these girls are the primary caretaker to their younger brothers and sisters, hmm. right? And so it's not that different, but what's important for us is to understand that level of what their life is like how diverse that can be, even as a girl. You mean the girls that you're serving through Girls Inc.? Through Girls Inc. Inc. Will you talk just a, quickly about what that Yeah, what that sorry. So Girls does? Inc. Um, girls Inc. is a tremendous nonprofit organization that helps girls become um, strong um, and bold um, and does a lot of after-school and before-school programming um, for, for, for a, lot, a lot of times um, uh girls from everywhere, right? So, and, and they all have like local um, affiliate chapters that, that kind of cover off on the various cities. And so we, pro- we support them from a national, on a national level with their mind and body initiative, which is all about helping them understand their emotions and journaling and, and again, their health and, and mind and body together. 
How confident are you that the the changes in consumer behavior that came out of the pandemic, which we're not out of the pandemic, but that, that this is here to stay, that we're, I mean, are people going to continue taking supplements, taking care of themselves, talking about anxiety, or in a year from now, could we be back at offices and kind of back in the rat race? Um, I think I think both are going to happen. I think more of the first is going to happen. I think women especially are now understanding how important it is to take care of ourselves, mm-hmm. to make sure that we stay on that priority list. I think the how will continue to change. Um, but I think I think these behaviors will in large part be forever ingrained. Um, and I think one way of doing that obviously is through supplements. I think there's a whole host of ways that we want to talk to women about. Um, I think this is a this is something this is a trend that's here to stay. A lifestyle yeah, change. Yeah, a lifestyle change. Yeah, yep. fundamentally. Well um, y- are you so you now have a team of what 19 did you say? Yeah, we're we're around 20. Yep. Are th- is everybody here is there a ray office? Are you all virtual? We're all virtual. We had an office um that obviously changed through the pandemic. We are all virtual. About half of us are here in Twin Cities. Okay. Um, and where do you spend most of your time today? Are you thinking about product extensions? Is it is the focus getting into more stores? What what's on the priority list? Our from day one, we knew that we wanted to understand and continue to understand how our consumer lives, what she believes in, how she thinks, where she shops, all of those things. And that has changed a lot since we began. Mm-hmm. And so my number one role is to continue to listen and respond to that. Um, because we're, we're not building Ray for me. We're not building Ray for the company or, or all of our employees. We're building it for a lot of people. And so that's, that's my number one job is to make sure that we continue to respond and stay relevant. Um, are you thinking about more products? I mean, what, what's going to happen? What is in, what's in the business plan for the next few years? Um, we recently um, got into CBD, which was hugely profound because wow. that is like such a base layer mm-hmm. to, um, to wellness and mind and body together. You're and a believer? I am a huge believer, and I wasn't. Um, and it's because it's confusing. There's a lot of junk out there. Um, and there was no brand that educated me or kind of stood out um, or stood, you know, stood out to me more globally. And so for us, it was important. We did the largest ever and first female-only trial, longitudinal trial, mm-hmm. with over 1,300 women um, to understand a multitude of things around products. And we have a white pa- we have our first phase of a white paper that released. We are now going to release the full findings soon. But it was really studying CBD's impact on stress, sex, harm, all the territories that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And so what's important in that is, is your body and the way the endocannabinoid system works. It's almost like we've been waiting. Uh, it, it, people you have used CBD for hundreds and thousands of years. But it's 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 this view of well-being that it just it fits into our body so well. Um, 
CBD does. So I'm 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 really excited about the products. We've so done. you have not launched products with CBD yet. We have. Oh, you so have. back in June, okay. we launched two CBD products, just CBD, um, to complement the other need states that we address. But we um, that that's where we're at today. You'll see us um, continue to support the territories we have, um, and then strategically think about where we need more coverage from a product perspective. Are you in other brick and mortar retailers besides Target? Um, we today are at um, Target, Amazon, and Direct to Consumer okay. on our website. I know you don't like to talk about money, but are you profitable? Can you say? Um, we are not saying. We are not talking about that. Okay. And I don't think we'll, we'll ever talk about those things. Um, I think it's really important. Every business has their own journey. And at the end of the day, we're focused on the consumer um, and doing what's right for the consumer. Are you having fun? Oh, it, like I said, when you know this is exactly where I'm meant to be. Hmm. Is every moment fun? No. There are really, really hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been the ride of a lifetime and the best years, years of my life. Absolutely. A lot of entrepreneurs struggle with balance. Maybe one of the things they think they're leaving a corporate gig to get more of and have more freedom and flexibility. And then they find, oh, my gosh, now I'm actually working every hour of every day. And there is no escape. And now we're doing it from home. And it's always there. How, when you're focused on wellness as your mission, how, how do you do that? You have to. And you have to live it. So we have um, once a month, we have Wellbeing Fridays. We have 16 observed holidays a year. We have unlimited vacation, right? So, so you live it through the values um, that, you, that you give, and we, we spend time talking about it. But for you personally, how, especially for, oh, at this stage where you have, oh, you have a baby, I mean, you have little boys running around, you have a, a baby company that you're growing. I mean, it's a zoo, right? So it, it, and and I, I've always learn, I've learned and I've always believed that your happiest times in life are also your most chaotic. Those two things go hand in hand. Um, and so that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> It is, it is for sure chaotic, and it's mm-hmm. a lot. You're just popping supplements. Uh, I'm doing everything I can. I'm doing, and, and, you know, to, to our mission, I'm taking a walk around the block because right now I can't go for a three-mile run. I just I, – I do not have that mm-hmm. right now having a 16-week-old. Like, that's not in me. So I try to get outside, hug a tree, like do, do all the things that I can mm-hmm. to, to my best ability um, from a small habits perspective because that's where I'm at. What do you want, given that you have three boys and you have a brand that's focused on women and you're all about women empowerment and, and thinking about giving back and the next generation of women entrepreneurs, what do you want your boys to grow up knowing about mom and business and what women can do? Um, what we know to be true is that if we make women feel better, that has a ripple effect to everyone that she surrounds or is surrounded by her. And so I, I believe that. And I think there's a lot of men that are here for this mission. There's a lot of people that are here for this mission. Um, and and for, for my kids specifically, um, exactly to your point, it's, it's just my job um, to make sure that I raise them as kind, respectful humans to everyone, um, regardless of gender. And so working on that uh, as much as I 
as we can. But um, but I, I and 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 to be clear, they're seven, four, and zero, so they have no idea what I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I it's so funny. I asked him today what as before I come. I'm like, do you know what mommy does? Mm-hmm. Takes phone calls. You know, like they have no perspective of 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 even what I do. Someday, someday, right. perhaps. Someday, indeed. Well, it is an amazing story and such a fast success, Angie. It's just really fun to to watch you uh, skyrocket and take off, and I'm sure there will be much more to come. Oh, it takes a village. It's been it's been a ride. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, great to chat. Well, Angie makes it look so easy and leaves us with so many things to think about related to omni-channel retail, to the rise of wellness brands. And I am so excited to go back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business, where Kim Saval is an adjunct faculty member and teaches in the omni-channel retailing program. She knows all when it comes to this stuff, and so I'm really excited to get her take on Ray Wellness and just this rise that we're seeing in general right now of wellness products and particularly wellness focused at women. Kim, what's your take on why that's happening? Well, it's no secret that we're living in a time that nobody predicted. Uh, 2020, I think, was much harder to navigate than anyone ever expected. Um, But I think one of the silver linings, if you can have a silver lining of a pandemic, mm-hmm. I think one of the silver linings um, has really been that self-care is non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Making sure that we take care of ourselves, especially our well-being. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, it, so it's good timing. And it's so interesting because you think about, I mean, Angie and, and others like her, you know, we're planning this pre-pandemic, but wow, the timing seems impeccable. And it does, because I think, what, did she launch two months before the pandemic? Yeah. 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 In, in 2019, yeah, she was really just getting going. So it, it's amazing how she kind of saw where things were going, but I think perhaps the pandemic just really accelerated it. Well, and I, I think that, and I also think that the definition of wellness has evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a conscious movement sort towards self-care um, and empowerment, taking control of our bodies, especially for women. Um, and it might be related, I mean, even further back to the hashtag MeToo movement layered with the unrest and the pandemic. And I think women are feeling, I think men and women are feeling, women in particular maybe, that it's really beyond time for a, a change with the unbelievable amounts of stress that we are seeing and hearing about in our communities. Hmm. Good point. The other thing that I really want to get your take on with all of your retail expertise, Kim, is the idea of direct-to-consumer um, and then go, being in stores as well, the whole omni-channel approach, which Angie seemed very focused on from day one. Yes, DTC brands, direct-to-consumer brands have been big. I mean, we think about the brands we know, Allbirds, Away, Casper. These are all you know, worth over a billion dollars. These are huge brands now that all started uh, direct-to-consumer, and then some have a retail presence, but not all. Um, and because of the success that we've seen, um, there are even more companies, um, you know, coming into this market in 21. You know, the Smile Direct Club, you've got 100% um, at home clear liners for your teeth, you know, outdoor voices that promote activity and recreation. So we're seeing a tremendous um, push in direct-to-consumer brands. What, what fascinated me about Angie, and she is so driven and so ambitious and, of course, has that target background, too, is that she seemed 
to to realize that her opportunity was to be both direct to consumer and on the shelves of stores from day one. What do you recommend for other entrepreneurs just getting started? Well, and I agree uh, a lot with uh, what Angie did. I mean, she's looking at that omni-channel focus and how do I reach as many customers as I can as conveniently as customers want this. So I would recommend anybody trying to, you know, break into a direct-to-consumer brand. Also make sure that you are making sure your, your website is up and running so that you have that part of the omni-channel experience. And then also the brick and mortar. And that's what Angie did with having, you know, both Target and Anthropology and, and making her product available and um, accessible um, at, at multiple different ways that consumers can shop. Sure. You just want to give the shoppers all the options, right? You do. And especially when you're a direct-to-consumer brand, um, you can be very flexible with pricing. You know, and, and Ray um, does offer, Ray Wellness does offer 20% off on that first order and with subscribe and save. Um, and that gets uh, consumers um, really used to using a product and using it a lot. Um, and that flexibility comes with that uh, direct-to-consumer. And then they also, consumers um, have that product reinforced when they see it in a store like Target or see it in a store like Anthropology. Right, right. And then you're, you're attached to the brand, and it doesn't really matter where you're buying it, just as long as it's available. That's right. Well, Kim, great advice as always and great insights. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective with us. Sure. I'm so happy there are entrepreneurs in the world like Angie who feel compelled to take that leap uh, to embrace the risk uh, and make life better for others. So Angie's really in helping empower women and take control of their lives. And it's a remarkable feat. So I'm, I'm very impressed with her brand. Well, right. It's very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you, Kim Savile. And thank you to our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. If you like what you heard, please take a minute to rate and review us. It really helps the show. And if you want to know more, go to tcbmag.com slash by all means. Thanks again for listening to By All Means. to make by all means and we've got some all-stars thanks to our audio engineer tom Ferlitti. digital support is ricky hannigan and dan nepo thanks to the university of st thomas senior media relations manager vanita sakar and associate dean of the schultz school of entrepreneurship laura dunham for all their help our theme music is by song finch hope you enjoyed by all means (laughs) 